G'day Dave here. Uh, how about we pray before we look at Daniel 5 together? Heavenly Father, it's all too easy for us to be consumed with trivia, uh, to go through life thinking that things don't really matter that much. And we pray that you'll remind us through your word here in Daniel 5 just how careful and how aware we need to be of what you're doing. And we ask that, and being mindful of this, that you'll move us to trust you and that you'll use us to make known to others uh, what you're doing in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with the withdrawal of US troops from Afghanistan, the Taliban took control of the cities to the south and the writing was on the wall for Kabul in the north. With COVID starting to impact places in regional New South Wales, the writing was on the wall for a statewide lockdown. With the team going without a win all season, and will be you know which one I'm talking about, the writing was on the wall for the coach. With Netflix and streaming uh, devices, blockbuster video, well, it didn't have a chance, did it? The writing was on the wall. With the Me Too movement and women coming forward, the writing was on the wall for Harvey Weinstein. After seeing the doctor and looking at the results from the PET scan, seeing that the cancer had invaded all the major organs, the writing was on the wall for the patient and she was encouraged to get her affairs in order. The Persian army surrounded the city of Babylon. The writing was on the wall for the Neo-Babylonian Empire. Friends, we're pretty familiar, aren't we, with this phrase, the writing is on the wall. And we see in Daniel chapter 5 where it comes from, a picture of impending doom, the circumstances giving rise to what is about to happen and it's not good. But as we think about what takes place in Babylon, do we have the right perspective on what's happening? You can look at it from different camera lenses. Let me give you one first of all. It's the camera lens of archaeology and historical accounts, sources from outside of the scriptures, and they make it very clear that these events happened. In fact, there's a, an ancient Greek historian writing in the 5th century BC. His name's Herodotus, and he actually confirms how the battle was won. And strikingly, he tells us of a night of partying and celebration and dancing, just like Daniel records. Let me read to you uh, from his account. It says here that the river uh, of the Euphrates had been drawn away into a lake which was a marsh, and that made the stream sink until its former channel could be forded. And when this happened, the Persians, who were posted with this objective, made their way into Babylon by the channel of the Euphrates, which had now sunk to a depth of about the middle of a man's thigh. There's a very strategic way to get inside the city. And the Persians took them unawares. Because of the great size of the city, those in the outer parts of it were overcome, but the inhabitants of the middle part knew nothing of it. All this time they were dancing and celebrating a holiday which happened to fall then until they learned the truth only too well. You see, there were political events, there was army strategy taking place, and there was the overthrow of a kingdom by another kingdom on the rise. But there's another camera angle that we need to look at, and that is the camera angle given to us by the Bible, uh, the book of Daniel chapter 5, and it tells us through God's hand writing on the wall. God gives us a message as he gives this message 
to Belshazzar, interpreted by Daniel. He's giving us a message, and it shows us where our focus needs to be to understand what was happening then, but not just for then, as we'll see, actually, for how you and I are to understand life now. And what we'll see as we look at this together is something which is really dead simple, but it's deadly serious. Let's uh, have a look at this together. Well, first of all, we're going to read from the last part of Daniel chapter 5. And if you've got uh, a Bible there, you might like to turn it uh, to chapter 5, verse 22 of Daniel. Uh, And Daniel is giving his answers to the king about what the handwriting on the wall was all about. And he reminds, first of all, Belshazzar the king of what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, It's like a little summary of what happened back in chapter 4, how in his arrogance he is humbled and he goes out and eats grass like like wild donkey. He eats grass like an ox. His body's drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledges the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on the earth and he sets over them anyone he wishes. Now, this is the background. Background, what God did with Nebuchadnezzar. Now, we need to fast forward quite a number of years until we get to Belshazzar. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is long off the scene. In fact, this is probably, best guess, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson on the mother's line. We're not quite sure. But here, Belshazzar should have listened. And let's have a look, first of all, at the attitude of Belshazzar and then the response of God. Uh, Let's see what we discover about his attitude, reading from verse 22. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. I mean, here is another king full of pride. And in his arrogant pride, he is actually being defiant because he knew how God had treated Nebuchadnezzar and he didn't learn any lesson from it. Uh, In fact, this defiance leads to his actions in this party that's going on with thousands of nobles and his wives and concubines and and much to drink. And so he takes the goblets, verse 23, instead you've set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. There's a battle here for who is God. And you had the goblets from his temple, the temple in Jerusalem, that have been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. They're brought to you and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, drank wine from them. And you praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honour the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. I mean, this is a sacrilegious, defiant, arrogant, idolatrous king. He takes the treasures that were in the temple for the worship of God and he offers toasts to his own gods, which are just pieces of idolatrous gold, silver, bronze, steel, uh, wood, and so on. He's failing to recognize that these things are not God, and he's not realizing that his life is actually in God's hands. In many ways, with Belshazzar, you've got a a more extreme form of Nebuchadnezzar. That is, there's a, a defiance that's going on, even when the lessons have been taught, And yet, on the other hand, there's almost an apathy here. There's like a, who cares? I mean, why be bothered by any of this stuff? I'll just do as I please. 
There is no one true God, and, and I'm going to demonstrate that by drinking toasts to my gods out of his things. Well, look at God's response to this. Verse 24, Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. And this is the inscription that was written, Mene, mene, tekel, parson. Here is what these words mean, mene. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So the message is one to Belshazzar saying God is about to bring you and your kingdom to an end. Uh, What we see here really, it's a message of judgment. The writing is on the wall is writing that says that God is about to bring his judgment upon Babylon and the particular king there at this moment, Belshazzar, for the way that they have ignored God, that they've turned aside from him, that they've opposed God, and they've lived as they pleased. God is bringing his judgment upon them. Now, we need to realize that this has not come suddenly. There's been a long lead up. You see it even in the book of Daniel. Over 40 years have passed since Daniel has gone into captivity. In fact, um, there's a long period. Actually, it's longer than that, isn't it? It's 66 years since he's gone into captivity. He's an old man here. He's, He's over 80 at this point. And God has brought his message to the kings through Daniel, through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's been patient with them, and they haven't learnt. And now it's over for Babylon. And so in verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Now, ancient history will tell us of the fall of Babylon. But the Bible tells us that it's the judgment of God. Friends, the writing is on the wall. It's God's message that we need to listen to. It's dead simple and it is deadly serious. God had been warning Belshazzar, but he didn't listen. And we need to see that God is a God who warns people again and again and again. You just think about the Old Testament for a minute. The Old Testament is a history of the nation of Israel, yes, but it's a history of something else. It's a history of God warning his people through his prophets. God does that through Moses. God does that through Samuel. He does it through Elijah. He does it through Nathan, through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, through Hosea and Joel and Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. God warns people again and again and again. This Old Testament, it's full of God's warnings to his people. This is not God creeping up on people unannounced. This is God pleading with his people to turn back, turn back, see what I've done for you, see how I've saved you. You are my precious possession, return to me. God keeps warning people to come back to him and they fail again and again and again. Kings come, they rise and they fall, they're deposed and the prophets are speaking to these kings and they don't listen. And now we see the prophets speaking to foreign kings and they don't listen. Here is a picture of God coming in judgment. And friends, it's a reminder to us. God is the one who warns through the prophets. Let me take you to Hebrews. uh, Hebrews chapter 1. 
In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. That's a summary, if you like, of the whole of the Old Testament. What is it about? God speaking to our ancestors through the prophets in many and various ways. But, he says, verse 2, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. God is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he has provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. God has warned his people through the prophets. And now he sent his son, Jesus. Friends, God's word is the writing on the wall to us. Not just Mene, um, Perez, Tekel, these words, difficult words. Not just the writing on the wall then, but the whole of the Bible is God's writing on the wall to us. Um, how is that? Well, come back a little further in, in Hebrews to chapter 9. And in Hebrews 9, verse 27, it says this, Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to all who are waiting for him. See, here is the writing on the wall. God is going to come in Jesus to bring judgment and to bring salvation. That's the writing. It's on the wall. And notice the way it's put. Just as people are destined to die once. It's a given. We're all facing death. Just as that is the case. And after that to face judgment. See, people kind of sometimes think about their mortality. We sometimes recognize the fact that we're going to die. But the Bible's saying, think harder. See more clearly. It's not just that you're going to die. It's that you're going to face God's judgment. You see, the writing on the wall is there for all humanity. Um, Paul, the apostle, said the same thing back in Acts chapter 17. He's in Athens and he's speaking to them about what God is doing. And it's a city of idols. There are idols everywhere to all these different gods. And he cuts right through the middle of that. And he says to them about their idols, no, there's one God. And this one God has made himself known. And this God has made himself known in Jesus. And God is going to come and judge the world. And he's given proof of that by raising Jesus from the dead. And, and so we see in Acts chapter 17 from verse uh, 29. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we shouldn't think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. And we've seen that, haven't we? In the, in the city of Babylon, again and again and again. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed, and he has given proof of this by raising him from the dead. See, what's the resurrection of Jesus tell us? that there will be a day of judgment to come. See, if you're a Christian, if you've put your trust in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you are looking forward to that day of judgment. 
and I say looking forward, um, you're, you're actually recognizing the fact that that's going to happen. And on that day, if you put your trust in Jesus, then you will be right with God. But if not, then the writing is on the wall. It's a serious message to be taken seriously, deadly seriously. See, all humanity will come before the judgment seat of God. And God will bring that judgment by Jesus. And every one of us will be affected. Our family will be affected. Our friends will be impacted. Throughout Australia, people will be impacted. And they will recognize the reality that God is God on that day. In the far-flung places around this world, people need to know that there's a judgment coming and that the Savior is there for us. Friends, God's word is God's gracious warning to us. The Bible is the statement by God that the writing is on the wall. You, you go back to a chapter like Ecclesiastes chapter 7, where it says it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. For death is the destiny of all men, and the living should take this to heart. I mean, how much have we become aware of that over the last year, the last two years? Psalm 90 tells us to number our days that we might have hearts of wisdom. We're not going to live forever. 70, 80 years, maybe more, maybe less. But that's just the reality, and we've got to take that to heart. Luke 12, the parable that Jesus told, that we read that last week. This man's storing up everything for himself. He's got his retirement covered. He's got a massive nest egg, and he's going to sit back and enjoy it all. And God says to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. How much is that like Belshazzar? You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, and then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And as Jesus said, if we want to uh, save our lives, we will lose them. But if we're willing to lose our lives for Jesus and for the gospel, then we will save them. And Jesus says, if anyone would come after him, he needs to take up his cross and follow after him to deny ourselves and to live for Jesus. Friends, God is warning us again and again and again. The scriptures are the writing on the wall. And if we need a little bit extra, well, God, in some senses, has been gracious to our world to remind us that we're not immortal. Alongside the scriptures, which tell us so clearly, we've had massive fires in our own country and going on at the moment around the Mediterranean, in parts of North America and so on. There is flooding that's taking place. There's earthquakes going on in Haiti and typhoons and there's war in the world and there's famine. And of course, there's this disease, COVID-19, and its mutations that are taking the lives of so many people. If ever we ought to notice that the writing is on the wall, it's now. And the message to us has got to be turned back to Jesus. It's in our face every day. Every news broadcast is reminding us. At 11 a.m. we get Gladys reminding us that we are mortal. Protect those you love. Friends, there's nothing that's new here, is there? It's not news. I mean, all of our great-grandparents, I take it, have passed away. They've all died. Most of our grandparents, many of our parents, perhaps our brothers, our sisters, our husbands, our wives, maybe sadly even some of our children. 
But Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, Just as it's appointed for man to die once and after that to face judgment. God is asking us the question, do we know that we will one day stand before Jesus? And, and will we be right on that day? And will those we love be, be able to stand before God on that day when he calls us to give an account? Will they look to their own achievements or will they look to Jesus? Friends, it's a, it's a, a simple message, but it's deadly serious. I take it there are three responses that we should make to this passage. Let me suggest, and you may have more, but three responses. Firstly, to pray. To pray urgently and to pray earnestly. To pray that we will live in the light of reality. That we will take to heart what matters matter most. That we will learn to number our days. That To pray for those around about us. To pray that people might see what's going on in this worldwide pandemic and not only clutch after a vaccine or work hard to achieve herd immunity or whatever the particular medical or public health strategy might be, but that people will ask the deeper questions. What's going on? What is my life all about? What do I want to have to show for the way that I've lived? And is there a God? And does he care? And is he reaching out? And friends, let's pray for our family. Let's pray for our friends. Let's pray for our street, for our community. Let's pray regularly and earnestly for people to come to know the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus. Secondly, let's live in the light of that day. A day is coming. The writing is on the wall. Let's live in the light of that day. Let's number our days that we might have hearts of wisdom. Let's look to God to give purpose and meaning and significance to our lives. Let's live different lives in the light of eternity. And thirdly, let's speak. Let's be prepared to tell people about the judgment that is to come. Oh, I don't like particularly to talk about judgment. You know, I'd, I'd prefer to have a gospel that's just all nice and fluffy and, and wonderful and good. But the harsh reality is people have offended God. They've rejected God. They've been idolatrous. And the Bible says that we have all fallen short of the glory of God and that we've all turned aside and worshipped the created things rather than the creator. And so we are all under the judgment of God. Let's speak up about this judgment because we don't just have a message of judgment a message of doom. We don't simply say to people that the writing is on the wall. We have a greater message still, that God has come into our world through Jesus, that he's on a rescue mission. And if people will trust in him, if people will look to him, if they will call on him to be their Lord, to be their saviour, to be their God, then they'll be welcomed in and that day of judgment will be a day of glory. Friends, let's be prepared to share our love for Jesus with others. Let's be prepared to declare our hope in Jesus with others. Let's be prepared to give testimony to our trust in Jesus to others. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, I know a number of people have taken hold of that little four-word message, what would Jesus do? 
Some people wear bracelets, WWJD. Some people have even tattooed it on themselves, WWJD. Well, let me suggest if you've done that, then maybe you want to put a bracelet on the other wrist as well. Maybe a, a tattoo even. And, and this one to complement the one that you've got there. And, and this one should probably say something like W-O-T-W. Writing on the wall. Because we all live in the light of that day. And God in his mercy is warning us now. Let's pray. Father, please help us to take to heart your word. Please empower us. Fill us with your compassion for others. Uh, give us the courage to share your love and your message with those around us. Give us a sense of urgency that comes from numbering our days and knowing that people will not live forever. And please may we be so filled with the good news of Jesus that it impacts everything we do and say and think. And we ask this in his name, Jesus' name. Amen.